Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to another episode of the Movie Shack. I'm going to start off with a spoiler-free review of The Eternals, and then we're going to really dig deep and get to a spoiler-full review. Talk about what The Eternals means to the MCU, what the movie meant, how we felt, who the ten new superheroes are, yada, 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 all that good stuff. So first, let's start out with the, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. The good thing. It's visually beautiful. It is. It is a huge undertaking for a relatively new director to the MCU. I want to say this was show's first MCU movie. Don't quote me on that. But I think so. I feel like I read that somewhere. And so, undertaking such a huge task into introducing pretty much... Sorry, what's the start of the MCU? Because, I mean, you're going back thousands of years. So we're talking about the beginning of time, essentially. And introducing in that two, ten new characters in one of the longest movies in the MCU. It's the second longest movie after Endgame. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so it's a lot to keep viewers involved with, with characters they don't even really know. So to keep them committed is a daunting task. And I think... That is kind of what hurt the movie overall. So that would be the bad. The ugly is going to be the fact that I really feel like this should have been a series. Um, it felt very much like a DC movie instead of an MCU movie. And so I think that's why it kind of just didn't work for me. It just wasn't clicking. You know, you're excited about all the characters. They definitely got some power moves. We got a lot of questions about where the hell you guys were during the whole snap. Which they kind of write off with one line, which you're like, hmm. You know, slavery, bro? You couldn't help us out with that? Okay. What about World War? Pandemics? Because, I mean, if the turtles are sitting right now while we're here in this panini, what the fuck are y'all doing? Let's talk about it. But anyway, um, I'd give the movie three stars. I was waning in my level of engagement, but I was like, I'm committed to finishing the movie because it is part of the MCU. And it does open up a lot of things. They drop some things, little Easter eggs and all of that that we'll talk about later. But um, I definitely uh, can see why it's currently the worst ranked MCU movie. Critics really aren't like supporting it. It was just it, it was hard for them to I think uh, what they decided to highlight was a little different than maybe what they should have. They should have um, picked one Eternal and tried to follow them rather than trying to keep them all kind of almost on equal footing. Like, obviously, one or two Eternals got a little more screen time than the others, um, just based on the nature of the story and plot. But, um, I don't think that we were really invested in any one of them on a personal level, and so because you couldn't make that connection, it's very hard. It's definitely a larger undertaking than any of the Avenger films, as they all also have their own origin films. You know, help, you know, excuse a few, like, sorry, Black Widow, you just got yours. By the way, I heard she's doing good, you heard she's out there killing it, guys! Highest streaming movie for like a whole entire week, beating out all of the Netflix titles and everything. I know, Disney right now just shaking their head like, damn, we're going to have to give Scarlett Joe the whole farm. Kitten Caboodle to get her back in here, but you got to do what you got to do. You know, I, I want her to get all her flowers, even though I really need her to stop acting like she can play every black role in the, in the you know, in the world. Says, you know, stay in your lane, but your lane is good when you're in it, you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, getting back to the review. Um, 
what are the Eternals? So the Eternals are, like, celestial aliens from the planet, supposedly, Olympia. Uh, they were brought here to protect the humans, that's us, from the deviants. Alright? Everything's sounding pretty good. You know, they're 7,000 years old, give or take a day or two. You know what I mean? And they lead um, throughout history to serve as part of Greek mythology and other cultures influenced them by, as you know, while also trying to not become too uh, hands-on with humanity. Very much think old guard, Starling Charlize Theron, that's them, yeah, I mean. Was that Charlize Theron? I think that was Charlize Theron, Charlize Theron, yeah. So think of the comic book version of that, or it being the version of that. I'm not sure which one came first. I'd have to look that up, and I'm not going to, so you guys can look that up if you want to. Someone tell me in the comments. Um, so the Eternals are the children of the Celestials. So, with that being said, Eternals are near immortal, but not actually immortal. Celestials are immortal. Let's really get to it. A little diminished, a little mixing, a little jabbing, you know what I mean? A little, um, less thing. But every Eternal is blessed with a basic level of strength in the movie. Also, similarly, basic level of strength in the comics. A lot of them mirror a lot of the same things because of how they need to function, um, with each other. So, super strength, psionic abilities, projecting cosmic energy and changing that and transmuting that, and regenerative powers. Now, obviously, if you rip a limb, a limb, a limb, a limb, a limb, a limb off an eternal, they might get a little fucked up. But, otherwise, you know, they're pretty Gucci, take a good hit, keep on going like Thor and the rest of them, but stronger than most Avengers. Mm, stronger than all the Avengers. Um, stronger than a lot of villains, too. Later on, we'll rank them, um, so I'll review talking about the characters based in order of, um, what I ranked them for the movie, at least, not the comics, because comics is a whole lot of messier things, and not everybody came into the film with the same powers that they have in the comics. They really decided to, like, kind of highlight one power for each person as opposed to what they usually have in the comics, and I think that was just to not muddle and confuse them and kind of have them stand out as both their character which is, you know, an insanely beautiful actor or actress, supposedly, um, or have them stand out uh, from each other. So, like, if they had muddled their powers a little bit too much, a lot of them have um, crossover powers or similar powers in the comics. So, anyway, off on a tangent there. Back uh, on the road here. So, yeah, three stars. I think it was a very middle-of-the-road movie. As far as origin movies go, I think it did okay, with at least giving us kind of a dynamic backstory for the characters. Because there's so many of them that they had to reveal. But like I said, you don't really feel a connection to anybody. And so that translates. And uh, with two and a half hours or whatever, however long it was. I forgot how long it was. As one of the longest movies, that's a little hard to make that commitment. I definitely don't think I ever have to see it again. Um, so I'm good on that. Um... But I don't think that it's a terrible movie. I think that we've come to expect so much with the MCU and a certain type of plot line and development and everything like that. And that's why this fell short. Um, it was very much like what I think the new Shazam movie will be because they're going to be technically reintroducing all the um, characters from the end of Shazam that they briefly touched upon. And so when you have that many superheroes and it's not an Avengers theme, um, it's very hard, because with the Avengers theme, it's not so much each character as the plot. The plot is 
the super, the big bad, the villain. You already know the characters. You have different levels of engagement already with him, and so you don't have to work against that, um, that working against you for the film. Um, so I do think Eternals 2 would be good. I wish that they would have done a series. I strongly feel that it should have been a series and Loki should have been a movie. I don't feel like Loki needed to be a movie. I don't know who's at Team Marvel, but, uh, you know, hit your girl up. I got you guys, you know? I got some got some input. I'm here for you guys. Don't worry about it, baby boy, baby girl. I got you. Anyway, after this, we'll come back with the spoiler full review. All right, all right, all right. So we're back now with the spoiler full edition of the review. So we're going to do is we're going to start with the um, eternal characters. Um, starting with least strongest movie-wise to strongest movie-wise. So. But I will be talking about a little backstory um, and some of their bio from the comic as the movie didn't fully get into everything kind of just showed you how they interact as a family um and the issues and struggles that they have with that but didn't really get into um their backstory and what they've all really been doing while on earth you know kind of just finding their own way they do stress that so first i want to start off with we should all be upset with the eternals because while we was out here fighting for our lives against thanos getting our asses beat whole snap and everything these niggas was at jamba juice bruh stressful because they're like oh man if it don't avoid if it doesn't include a deviant we can't be out here with the knickknack patty wax all right first of all that don't make no goddamn sense y'all supposed to be protectors gods y'all sleeping on the job okay because let's really talk about it is thanos not a celestial with a deviant gene because um uh, uh, let's pull up the comics let's look let's flip 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 Who's his brother? Eros. Who's Eros? A celestial. Nigga, this is y'all problem. So that's how I know y'all lying. So that's two strikes right there for them. But whatever. Let's get into it before I get a little too worked up and have to start rolling out on these people. Uh, Sprite we'll start with. So Sprite is a fifth generation celestial. Oh, eternal, technically. I do want to separate that out because the hierarchy does matter as their powers start diminishing. Actress Leah something Magog McCoggle something McCoogle uh, plays Sprite. Sprite in the comic has been both male and female. So, really, overall theme is just very androgynous, you know, very they them of them. Uh, Peter Panish, you know, a little Loki, if you had to compare it to a known superhero. Trickster God, of course. Cersei's. Ooh, excuse me, guys, my apologies. Cersei's cousin. In the film power uh most specifically the illusion is power the comic book also has like energy blast telepathy uh telekinesis and everything like that i put sprite at 10 because they don't really play out sprite's powers too much a lot of talking sprite is there to be a catalyst for some of the uh resentment that the eternals have to humanity as well as to each other once they find out that their whole entire um legacy and history is a lie there is no planet olympia you know they are sent there to kill the deviants that were also created by their god technically and um you know they're the apex predator to the deviants and are just there until the next celestial is born and the whole planet is destroyed real um 
real uh, sad story there. So for them, they you know they start contemplating suicide and all type of craziness in the comics. But here in the films, they decide, you know, we can uh, create the Unimind and figure this all out and kill the baby Celestial and just move on with our lives, you know, yada, 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 living the best. Uh, number nine, Kingo, played by Kumal Nanji. I can never say this dude's last name, but you know who I'm talking about. Super funny comedian, got buff for the role. Now he's giving us a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm not sure how to place it. Very Paul Rudd of him to get so fit. I don't like it, but, you know, best for him, you know, whatever he likes. So he's a fourth generation Eternal. In the comics, he's usually Japanese, so it was different to see him as, like, the Bollywood star in this film. And uh, his power is finger guns. Bang, 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 bang. So very pops from Fridays of him, you know what I mean? Um, in the comic book, he's also a master swordsman, training as a samurai, all that good stuff. Number nine, again, put him down here because they don't really play him up too much in the role. Even in the comic books, like, his story's not really played out. You don't really know a lot about him. But next, next, next. Number eight, Makari. Makari's male in the films, but is a deaf female character in, um, the movie. I also really do like and enjoy that they actually chose um, a deaf actress to play Makari rather than, you know, just projecting their full ableism and hiring somebody for the role that isn't part of their community. So that was cool. In the film, Makari has super speed. In the comics, also has energy blast, flight, telekinesis, uh, teleportation. Retconned in the comics to also be known as the god of Mercury, um, son of Verona. Well, daughter, technically. But anyway, son, daughter of Verona and Mara. And also born in Olympia, as most of the other characters are, with the exception of, like, Icarus. And I think, like, one other person. uh, Technically is born in Polaria, a.k.a. Siberia. But whatever. Um, It's not that important to the story. Number seven. uh, Fastos? Fastos, how you say it? Uh, Also known as uh, Hephaestus. Um, also known as, um, Brian Tyree Henry, old big boy, swole gentleman. Now, he is a cosmic inventor, is the best way to put what he actually does down. Um, venting many of the things for humanity, as well as, well as many of the things that the Eternals use, like Icarus's, um, wing thingy, and, um, whatchamacallit, sword, what's the name, Kingo's sword, and everything like that. So, not in the film, though, but this is in the comic books, I mean, but, um, in the film, um, Faceless actually loses his faith in humanity until he finds his family, and he turns out to be, um, gay, or maybe bi, I don't know, because in the comics, he's also married, but to a woman, so he might be bi. Anyway, married to a man in the films, has a child, and that really reconnects him with humanity, but on a very Tony Stark type thing, he's very reluctant to get into this battle, because he's like, yo, this ain't even my fight. I thought he was going to end up getting killed. They didn't kill him. So I was like, that's dope. That's dope. Um, that was very nice of them. You know what I mean? Because honestly, they, they could have ruined it. They could have ruined it. So, And I was like, not the black dude. Come on. Let, let, let's homeboy make it. Let him make it. And so he did. And that was, that was nice. It was, was an enjoyable moment. I was like, I like that. All right. Number six, Druig. Uh, played by Barry Cogan, fourth generation Eternal. 
in the film has um, mental manipulation and control over people. Um, and the comic books also has energy blasts, flight, illusion, transmutation, teleportation. Is the son of Valken and cousin to Icarus. Drew is a very difficult character to put a handle on. Um, because in the comics sometimes also is played as a villain. In the film, goes back and forth between being almost um, like combative and you absurding um you absurding uh what's her name oh my god what is her name ajak and um deciding that you know doesn't want to just sit around and watch the humans destroy each other wants to have a more active role kind of mentoring them but taking away their free will at the same time so a little more of the mentor he started off his mentor was like oh we could just like let them know, hey, yo, bro, this ain't the way. Let's talk to them. But then at the end, was like, yo, they can't make decisions on their own. They're barely holding up their own necks. Like, we just need to take control. And we can just protect them from everything that's bad. And so what if that stifles their free will and creativity? And it will make less of them dead. Which, true. But we all know that never really works in the end, so. Um, put them at number six. Because you can't really beat the fact that you're able to control someone else's entire body and you know to get everything that comes with that but at least in the film says it can't control celestials no need really try with his punk ass but whatever um and so that's why you're gonna be below number five like you can't come up with that you gotta you gotta seize the day carpe dream you know what i mean also nickname uh minister of nightmares something like that i think something the celestial nightmares but whatever uh, he's very Freddy Krueger if you wanted to be, so you gotta watch out for this one. Sleeper. He's definitely a sleeper one. Um, the next one. Oh, we're on number six. Number five. Uh, who did I put at number five? Oh, Gilgamesh. I put number Gilgamesh at number five, also known as the Forgotten One. Gilgamesh has had the many names throughout the times. Um, the Forgotten One, Hercules, Hero, Samson, Beowulf, shit, Delilah probably. Um, in the film, Super Strength in the comic books also has, like, flight and optic blast. Uh, Gilgamesh, technically, comic book-wise, is probably top, like, three of the Eternals. Movie-wise, I would say five. Um, just because they never fully realize his powers, and the way he gets taken down is just, like, very... It reminded me a lot of, um, what happened to Vision in Endgame. But, neither here nor there, it is what it is. Um, and Gilgamesh is one of the Eternals that also has doubled as an Avenger, with the other one being, um, what's that girl's name? The other one being, um, Cersei. So, that's what it is, what it is. Um, moving on to the next one. I don't really have too much backstory on Gilgamesh, because, like I said, forgotten one, so a lot of things are, like, wiped out. Number four... Number four, I put um, Thena there, which is Angelina Jolie's character. Very Wonder Womanish vibes to me. Um, third generation Eternal. In the film, powers are uh, like weapon mastery and generation. In the uh, comic books, also has flight, illusion, mind control, teleportation, yada yada yada, telepathy. Whole nine, you know, usually you know the gamut, the, uh, the the gamut of other eternal powers, all in the bag. Also born in Olympia to Zorus and Sebel, originally named Azura, but had her name changed to Athena to solidify the pact with the Olympians. 
um, and, you know, set up the fact that the new Eternals, uh, the Eternals would be the new, uh, gods for them, so, a lot of times mistaken for Athena with an A and Minerva, so that's why she's, like, in the film, she's like, nope, drop the A, it's Athena, okay, sis, okay, mm-hmm. um, had twins with Crow, which is funny that in the film she actually kills Crow, because, you know, she be popping, you know, out here busting, baby, okay, okay, throw baby, uh, no, I'm joking, I'm sure Athena's very nice, you know, um, number three, number three, uh, puts, I'm trying to go through my list, I don't know why my list is not now an order of ranking, like, I just started naming people, and then afterwards I added numbers, it's a very chaotic rating system to do, but, I think I had to have everything laid out, and I'd be like, yeah, this is how I felt about them, and plus, like, I did one way, and then I was like, I didn't like that rating system, so I flipped a few people, because I was like, the comic books, like, sway me a little more than the film, and I had to take some some points back. I had to pull some people out, you know what I mean? Um, number three, I had Ajax. I think, comic book-wise, Ajax would probably be number one, or number two, as being the strongest of the Eternals, but, um, film-wise, definitely number three. Actually probably made her go out like a, a little bit of a, um, a punk. Um, so I almost had her at five, but I was like, that's not right. I can't do that. Like, I can't. I mean, I can, but I can't. Um, so I put it at three. Ajax is a polar eternal. Male in the comics, um, and also prime eternal in the film. So the polar eternals are stronger than, like, the other eternals, as they tend to be older. Um, Ajax is a third generation eternal, but, um, I mean, Gilgamesh is a second generation one, but you know what I mean. But they, they tend to be stronger, they tend to have more, um, immortality, and tend to be closer to some of their natural gifted eternal powers including such things as like her cosmic communication and the fact that she can um communicate with Arishim while on earth and everything like that so the cosmic communication we talked about in the comic book also had like energy blast flight teleportation her parents are rocker and ama and she's also the brother or she well she was the brother of Arex in the in the comics, and they used to be called Ajax the Greater and Ajax the Lesser. You can guess who is who. I'm telling you, I would definitely feel some type of way if you changed my name and just called me the Lesser of my sibling. But whatever, we're not here to fight him out. But um, yeah, I would have felt some type of way for sure. For number two, no surprise here. I think when you got what's going on left, I had to choose between Cersei and Icarus, and I went with Icarus because in the end, old boy didn't win. So. Because him and Sprite couldn't pull off their coup, I can't put you at number one. Sorry, bro. Film-wise, definitely uh, top three. Comic book-wise, probably back and forth between either being two or one. Um, Power-wise, like for the MCU, definitely think that Icarus is probably on par with Thor. Um and in the movie is equated to being essentially Superman. Um, obviously for the powers, but also for the standing, I think. Um, a third generation Eternal and also a Polar Eternal. Birth name was Daedalus, born in Polara, aka Siberia. Um, used to be a Prime Eternal too, so for Prime Eternals, not in the film, but in the comics you'll have him, you'll have Cersei, and you'll have Ajax. And at one point, uh, Athena wasn't a prime Eternal. She was more considered the queen of Eternals. But essentially the same thing. Like, bitch was in charge. Had bitch in charge. 
HBIC. Um, Icarus is the son of the Eternals Varako and Tulin or Thailand or whatever her name was. And the film has flight, heat vision, you know what I mean? Super strength like the rest of them, but... <clears throat> and, like, all the Eternals get, like, super strength and everything, but some of them are definitely stronger. And, um, Icarus is definitely probably one of the strongest for hand-to-hand combat and everything like that. Um, and the comic books also had, like, teleportation. Sneaky link for Cersei, you know, but also her cousin because the Greeks didn't care. And that's kind of nasty. And, um... In the comics, uh, the reason that he had changed his name was because his son Icarus had, like, um, flown too close to the sun. You know what I mean? Like, the story that uh, um, Sprite told and, like, got all burned up and shit. And he was real sad about that. And so he decided to change his name. But I guess he couldn't spell, so that's why the K is there. Like, who knows? Um, and it's played by uh, Richard Madden. I don't think I said that, but whatever. And then finally, number one for the film. Woo, 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 woo. Cersei, come on down, girl. Pick up your prize. Played by Gemma Chan. Or is it Gemma or Gemma? Hmm. Uh, when you compare her to all her comic book powers and everything like that, it gives you very much Jean Grey. Very much trouble soul, but super strong. You know, very much watch her, but also you know, she be trying. Like, she initially tried. Definitely the probably the person that felt closest to humanity, liked them the most, was up there like, you know, what was best for them? I want to date them and live among them and be their bestest friend. But then also was like, in the comics at least, like, damn, they mad annoying, but whatever. Um, a fourth generation Eternal, um, daughter of Helios and Percy. Percy? Percy? P-E-R-S-E. How y'all say that? Hmm. Anyway, her parents are second generation Eternals, just to put that on there, put it on points on points. So, you know, powerful enough as it is, um, can manipulate non-sentient matter in the film. However, in the comics, also had telepathy, increase in vulnerability more than the other Eternals, telekinesis, flight, teleportation. She's also, as I mentioned before, was one of the Avengers. Loves humanity, you know, works in a history museum. Like, obviously, just wanted to suck up all that nice little culture over 7,000 years. Like, I don't know how she didn't get bored of that, but it is what it is. And she's the only Eternal to have a fifth level matter manipulation. So, if anybody's gonna be the head bitch in charge, it'll be her because she said I'm the best at it. Get it, get it. So, let's go to the film. Let's talk about it now. So, we have all those superheroes that came in, you know. So, I mean, his inspiration is where we talked about Greek mythology and stuff like that. And the fact that they are not technically immortal, but they're pretty close to it, you know, when they think about their blessed powers. However, you know, they've all been played by Erishim, who's kind of like their god or whatever. Um, didn't know that they were growing celestials in the planet, and that the emergence would destroy the planet. He would just kind of mind-wipe all of them and then send them on another mission. So very much Captain Marvel, like, living a lie, but thought they were doing good for humanity, or whatever. You know, Olympia's fake. They're like, your planet don't even exist, bro. So they was tight about that. Very upset. And so they decide they're gonna kill Taimut. And Taimut is the new celestial being born. And so what they're gonna do is they're gonna combine with the Unimind, which is the reason that all the Celestials have very similar powers up until a point, because they need the telekinesis, they need the telepathy, they need to be able to, like, finger-bang gun energy, 
They need to be able to have um, those sonic powers that we talked about and everything like that in order to join with each other in this link, okay? So they busted off on their first try, which amazing that it didn't fail, but whatever, had to work for the plot. However, at the end of the film, they get snatched up, the ones that stayed on Earth, by Arisham, and he's pissed. He's like, yo, I had a whole plan, and y'all ain't listen, right? So now I'm mad. And so his full name is Arisham the Judger. The Judge. The Judge, yes. And so what he does is he judges. So he's like, I'm gonna weigh you, find you wanting, and decide to destroy the whole Earth anyway. What you gonna do about it, bruh? Okay? So he got him all up in wraps. Beamed him up Scotty. Pretty much essentially kidnapping all of them. And they couldn't do shit about it. Because, like, how do you fight the person that created you? That is a hard battle. It is. Probably not, um completely uh impossible but definitely not gonna be an easy feat at all so anyway after he snatches up everybody that remained on earth fina makari and droog they had went on a little trip you know like captain marvel like when you 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 need to stay behind and rebuild but you're like no really you got this you're good like we got you a little avocado toast you're fine we're gonna leave you to figure it out yourself and just go off shitting in space and hope you don't need us but they did need them, and they couldn't reach them. So they're like, damn, ain't nobody contacted us in a minute. It's like they all just disappeared. You'd think they'd be like, oh, let's turn back around. Let's figure this out or whatever. Nah. Nah. So they were just on their way when Eros pops up with Pip. And he was like, yo, I don't know if y'all know, but your niggas is in trouble. And I know where they're at. So that was one credit scene. So you're like, oh, shit. We about to have some real crazy stuff pop off in the MCU. Phase four and a half is on the way, right? Right. In addition, Cersei's boyfriend, Dan Whitman, who got like six minutes on screen total, very Zendaya in the whole movie for him. Zendaya and Dune, anyway. He's like, shit, they didn't kidnap my girlfriend. And then I got this weird box from Merlin. What's in here? Oh, snap, it's the Ebony Blade. I'm fitting to be the Black Knight. And the good Black Knight, not like his uncle, who's the bad Black Knight. But, you know that the Ebony Blade, the Dark Blade, makes you uh, lust for blood. So, you know, what's about to happen? It's finna be crazy, like, well, I can't even talk about it. I mean, they done name drop Superman in the MCU and everything. Like, Marvel just sitting at home talking about, we about to just do it up, do it up, big, do it like it's your big day. Do it like it's your big day, you know what I mean? So I am excited about that. I was not that excited about the film. Like I said, very middle of the road, very tepid, uh, lackluster. You know, it's like a coffee that you had made at 9, but then you didn't get to drinking it until about 10, 30, 11. And so while it is not completely cold, it's like room temperature. So you gotta like drink it fast, almost like a soda, but you don't really want to, but you don't want to waste it. That's how the movie was. Yeah. Um... The next movie, I don't even know what I'm going to be reviewing next. What is coming out next? I'm trying to think. I can't even think of anything. But let me know how you guys felt about it. You know, what did you love? What did you hate? And everything like that. I definitely say, wait for it to be on Disney+. Plus. This is not something that you have to go to the film to see. I mean, the fight scenes are probably best on big screen. But get yourself a projector and just live your best life at home. Where it's safe. Check you guys in the next episode.